0: Welcome back in. This is the Action Line, and uh, thank everybody for hanging out with us this morning as we do have a really good show for you today, and uh, we're pretty excited to get things going as our first guest this morning is waiting on the phones. We're going to pull her in in just a second, and uh, in studio with me this morning is... Executive Director at Oakland's Mansion, James Manning. James, good morning. Good morning, Nick. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. So, uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming in and giving My us pleasure. a couple minutes. We'll uh, get to Audrey Creel here in just a second. She is on the staff at Oakland's and she's an honor student at MTSU. So, I wanted to uh, kind of ask you, James, if you wanted to kind of intro and talk about what we'll be talking about today, and that is going to be your guys' project. Um, on restoring some history that's tough. It's tough history to talk about sometimes, but it's important. And this is, uh, you know, for folks who, you know, fo- uh, folks of color in the past who maybe haven't had as much attention their way with Oakland's Mansion, restoring some of that history, folks who had worked at Oakland's, who had um, been a part of Oakland's Mansion. And you guys are, are working on a project to restore some of that information, to try to find some of that information. And maybe some listeners out there who are listening right now might have some of that information, but um, I'll, I'll kind of let you take it from there.
1: That's right, Nick. Um, We realize that we have not done our due diligence to listen to people of color, to record their stories, and to disseminate that information to our guests at Oakland's. We've been a museum for almost 60 years, and we've primarily focused on the big house and the story of the Civil War. And we want to know more about all the people that called Oakland's Mansion home or work, um, beginning with the Native Americans that would have been on the site first, and then uh, later on to the family way that lived in Oaklands after the Civil War, um, Audrey pretty much grew up at Oaklands. She went through our educational programs and has been volunteering and working there for many years and and she began working on her um, career. She realized that she wanted to particularly focus on that topic and so she's worked on a number of projects at mtsu Um, first the untold stories of the manny family slaves and you can watch that on our website or on the city of murfreesboro's website right now and that project attempts to give voice to people of color who've been overlooked by history Um, audrey's continuing that project by creating a list of names of people who lived in murfreesboro um, by 1870, who were at least 10 years old and had the last name of Manny. And those people were probably in, formally enslaved at Oakland's. And so that's our current project. And then we're working with the African American Heritage Society, and we'll talk more about that later, to mark Section M of Evergreen Cemetery. And that's just a drop of in the bucket of what we're doing right now.
0: So... Obviously, this there's been a lot of time that you know somebody could have picked up a project like this. We're talking 150, 160 <clears throat> years ago um, that a lot of this was taking place. How did you guys decide, and when did you decide that hey, let's take this on, let's take this project on? Um, and again, some of this stuff's a little tough to talk about. It, it you know it's a, a time in history that's important to remember, but also um, you know a, a point in history that a lot of people look back on during when we were having slaves in you know this area. Um, you know had farms in that um, with slaves on the farm and uh, how did you, you guys decide to jump into this and, and what was kind of the uh, the motivation?
1: Well in the nearly six decades that Oakland's has been a museum there has been research into the enslaved in the past um, but the Mannies enslaved people not only in Tennessee but also in Mississippi and in other areas as well they had a large plantation in Mississippi it was their cotton plantation um, so Today we've began partnering with African American Heritage Society, which is one of the reasons. Another is the desire to uh, mark the graves of the formerly enslaved at Evergreen Cemetery that have no other graves. Um, Audrey's project at MTSU has um, made her want to continue and research more. Um, and we know that it is timely and that it is past time to do these things. And so it's something that we realize we should have done sooner. And we are working hard now to... Uh, record stories before any more are lost to history. Um, the people that likely have information that may have photographs or stories of their ancestors who either were enslaved or worked as freed people at Oakland's um, are likely seniors, and that's those stories are being lost. And so it's our challenge to convince people that though they may not have seen that Oakland's was interested in that information in the past, that we are today, uh, and we do that by creating programs, exhibits, um, lectures, symposiums, um, marking ceremonies consistently um, that touch a larger audience than what we have in the past. And as we continue to do that, we hope that people will trust us enough to share these stories with us so that we can properly record them and continue disseminating them through our tours on site, through our website, and through the programs that we have.
0: And aside just from information that folks might have out there, and we wanted to let everybody know if they have questions or if they'd like to uh, jump in on the conversation, we do have the phone lines tied up this morning as uh, to continue to social distance. We've kind of spread our guests out, and uh, many of them will be calling in this morning. But you can text that same number, 615-893-1450, if you have any questions on that. Um, outside of just the information, are you guys looking for historical pieces, relics, props, things like that, maybe old photographs, things that people – had passed down to them, that they said this is from that era, um, and, and if it has to do with the, the Manny family. Is that something you guys are also interested in? And Certainly. Really, like, physical items?
1: Yes. We're working with the Rutherford County Archives um, to be sure that we have all of the information that's there. Um, to have a plantation as large as the Manny's had, there would have been an enormous amount of paperwork. Um, that, those papers are lost to history. Uh, we have don't have a journal we don't have diaries we don't have first-hand letters um, that certainly existed whether they were lost whether they were destroyed just haven't been uncovered yet that's to be determined Uh, we have a very few letters that were written by cousins of the mannies Uh, we don't have um, receipts Uh, most of the information that we're learning is coming from public records and so repositories right now are getting a lot more information on wine than they ever have in the past and that's another reason that we're able to do more research now than we've been able to do in the past but certainly to find photographs photography the civil war was the first war photographs so With the Manny's wealth and prominence, most likely they had a photographer there physically on site at the property at some point to take photographs, although none of those have um, survived or made their way to us. We do have a photograph of Lewis and Adeline Manny uh, of the time period taken in a studio as some of their children as well, but not any photographs taken on site. Um, We have recently uncovered a photograph of um, three African-American women who were domestic employees of the Roberts family. And that's the photograph that we've been using as advertisement for the untold story of the Manny family slaves. Because that story doesn't end with slavery. That story continues. Um, We want to tell what did these people do after they were Uh, no longer enslaved. How did they make it? Um, What did they do in Murfreesboro? And how did they contribute to the building of our community? And so, yes, those photographs, those documents, even if they're beyond the time period, um, they are certainly priceless to us in telling those stories.
0: And I would think if you could follow that history, there's got to be a trail that leads to other bits of information and other businesses in town. Maybe uh, somebody who was enslaved with the Manning family branched off, started this, that turned into this. And next thing you know, you're unraveling stories from all over, and they, they probably come back to one another in some way. But um, if you can follow that line and just keep picking away at that history, I'm sure there's, there's, there's just a plethora of information out there that people haven't connected or people don't know.
1: Certainly, there is no telling what we might or next. I was looking at um, a house recently that's on the market in Woodbury, which is very close to us. It's just our neighbors down the street. It was Captain William, uh, Captain w- Wiley's house, not William. Captain Wiley's house, and Captain Wiley had an, a woman that he had purchased as a young girl. Um, And enslaved her. And then after she was freed, he is believed to have purchased the house that she lived in. Uh, And uh, the Shacklets uh, photography photographed her when she was, she lived to be, I think, 114 years old, well over 100 years old. Um, and so stories like that one that are so close by, even though we may not have yet found photographs of the enslaved taken on the plantation in Oakland, we have photographs of women like her and through other people in the community that help to tell that story. So, yes, things that are not necessarily Oakland-specific also help us tell the greater story and the broader picture um, because these people were contemporaries of one another. Not only did would have the slave masters uh, been interacting, but most likely the enslaved people. Would have um, been moved from plantation to plantation, often bought and sold between plantations as well.
0: Well, it is an honor to bring in our first guest, Audrey Creel. But before we do so, I just wanted to, uh, if you could throw the phone number out one more time. If somebody's listening right now and they say, <laughs> maybe I have a piece of information that'd be good, uh, maybe this is of interest, maybe I, I have a question on this, who do they call?
1: Give me a call, please. I'm James, and I'm at Oakland's Mansion at 615-893-0022. You can also go to our website and watch um, the untold story of the Manny family slaves. And at the end of that video, Audrey's uh, contact information will be there as well. And so is Mary Watkins. who will be on the air with us later.
0: Fantastic. Audrey Creely, are you there? Are you with us? I'm here. All righty. Good morning. Welcome in.
2: Good morning.
0: So uh, if you could tell, tell your side of the story on this project you guys are working on. I think this is really great. You're, a sta- you're one of the staff members, of course, at Oakland's and an honor student at MTSU. And for your thesis, one of your uh, thesis projects, you, you were kind of diving into more of this history, trying to learn more, trying to dig up some information that we might not even know. Uh, what was your motivation for that? And if you would, tell us, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So um, I started this project as part of my honors thesis at MTSU. Um, And the inspiration uh, started with a trip that I took to historic Petersburg in Virginia, where they walked us through a district that was very similar to downtown Murfreesboro. uh, But instead of telling us a general history about Petersburg, it was all about the enslaved African-Americans that lived and worked there and how they interacted within that space. And so when I returned home, I knew those stories had to exist for Murfreesboro um, and I started with Oakland because it was an area that I was already very familiar with um, but I knew that those uh, stories of the enslaved African Americans that had lived there uh, had not been told yet and so um, I just kind of started by looking into census records to see what information I could find and took that information and researched two individuals um, who had been previously enslaved by the Manny family, um, both in Mississippi and here in Murfreesboro, um, and told the stories of their lives uh, while they were enslaved, but also their lives afterwards and how they were able to uh, grow after the Civil War and how they interacted within Murfreesboro um, after emancipation
0: that was Audrey Creel, who uh, is joining us on the WGNs phone line. James Manning, of course, in studio with us right now. Uh, Audrey, so you took that trip, and that kind of inspired you to dig a little bit deeper, deeper on some of our local history. Um, did you, when when you were in um, in Virginia there, were were there any any tips, anything you got from maybe the folks who got some of that information, saying you know here here are some of the things we did, here are some of the places we looked and found some of this information and learned a little bit more. Did they call upon the public and and kind of how we're doing? Today to say, um, you know the history is out there. We just got to kind of get it all in the same room, and uh, you know we we need folks in the area who who may have documentation or are related to some of these people may know a little bit more to come forward and share some of that information. Is that is that how they kind of built their their uh, recipe there with with getting all that information together?
2: Um, their information was very much a very well structured tour. It was part of a larger tour organization. Um, But our tour guide walked around with a large binder that had information they had compiled from census records and other public documents that they had found in archives um, and other information that they um, had received from, I'm sure, the community. Um, And so as we would stop in certain locations, um, our tour guide would open up this binder and show us pages from the census record to talk about uh, a man who had maybe owned 50 slaves who used to live at that location or um, to talk about slave auctions that had happened at that site. Um, And so it was just all information that they had compiled through online research and archival research, and they had taken the time to really compile that into a nice hour-long tour through Historic Petersburg.
0: Interesting. We had our first listener question come up and that uh, if you want to text a number 615-893-1450 as we do have the phone lines tied up this morning with a couple more guests we'll talk to. But uh, the first listener question was asking you're just mentioning census um, when during that time would they have uh, slaves fill out a census would they be counted on the census just like we are today or was it a, a different process or would they say you know anybody that's that's working anybody that's enslaved here um, all asked to kind of fill out that census is that is that how that would work.
2: So, census records during the time of slavery um, do not provide names for enslaved African-Americans. The way that you would read what's called a slave schedule, um, you would search for the name of the slave owner, and his name would be listed, and then you would see a list of blank names with ages um, and the gender of each person, um, listed, and so you can use that. Um, the way I would use that would I, I would search for James Manny, who owned Oakland's Mansion, um, and his children, and you can see uh, exactly how many slaves he would have owned in a certain location and the age of each of those individuals. But it doesn't provide names, um, so that's why when I got to the 1870 census. I used the research cap of individuals living in Murfreesboro with the last name Manny, who were African-American and over the age of 10, um, because the age of 10 meant that they would have been listed without a name in the 1860 census and would have most likely uh, been enslaved by the Mannies at that time and also counted there. And so that's where that sample size came from for my initial research.
0: And that's uh, that's something I I would have never known. I I didn't, uh, you know, never even would have thought about the census as a tool at that time. But uh, James, what are your thoughts on that? That's that's interesting that they can kind of use that information and, you know, maybe not even having specific names, but kind of get an idea of how many people were there and and an idea of maybe who would have been there.
1: Yeah, it's our only um, tool in most instances. And it's only counting people every ten years, and then uh, the Mannies are moving people from here to to the plantation called Trio in Mississippi. Um, so it's an invaluable tool, and hopefully, some more records will be uncovered that will fill in the blanks.
0: We'll chat with Mary Watkins a little bit later this hour. She's the president of the African American Heritage Society of Rutherford County. Uh, right now, though, on the phone, Audrey Creel and James Manning in studio with us. Audrey. In the perfect scenario for your project here in Murfreesboro to try to pull together this local information, what do you need? What do you need from our listeners, from the, from the public, from the city? Um, is there anything that people out there can do? I mean, you mentioned uh, any information is helpful. And if somebody out there maybe has old photographs or they'd said, uh, my great-great-great-grandma was, was on this farm. She was enslaved here. Any of that information is helpful, right? And you guys are just trying to pull all that together and basically get all that information in the same room to digest it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Any information that people have is going to be helpful um, because research online can only get you so far. Um, And so some of those family uh, stories that have been passed down for generations um, are going to help fill in some of the gaps that maybe I'm not going to be able to find in an archives or using census records. Um, So even just coming in and telling stories about uh, your family is going to be helpful. Um, photographs are really invaluable tools um, because that allows us to put a face with these names that we have. Um, so just truly any information that anyone has is going to be helpful And just continuing to tell these stories and see how they have continued from Enslavement to today, um, because those stories are also important.
0: James, if you could elaborate a little bit on the, you were talking about earlier in the hour, um, the cemetery and trying to maybe match up some of the names with where folks are buried and uh, who was buried there. What's the process there? How would you guys maybe find out more about that? And are these are these headstones, if they're even there, are they are they named? Are they uh, is it kind of just like a burial ground area where people were buried, or do they actually have any kind of information to go along with that?
1: Dr. James Manny sold 20 acres of Oakland's property off to the city of Murfreesboro. Um, I think it was 1878. But the Vine Street Cemetery was the original city of Murfreesboro Cemetery, and it was about to be full, uh, and they needed more land. So they created a new cemetery, uh, called it Evergreen Cemetery. But we believe from old tradition that it already existed as a burial ground for the enslaved people that worked at Oakland's. There's not been any documentation of that that we've located. Section M of Evergreen Cemetery, the oldest section, uh, is historically the African-American section and the pauper section. And there's an obelisk made out of tin or a thin metal there that has handwriting on it. And I feel foolish for not photographing it when I was in college, when I first started wondering about it, um, because the handwriting is pretty much illegible now. It's still there, resting away, and I've not been able to locate anybody that knows who placed it, for whom, and what the text is. Mm-hmm. So we have several challenges. Um, one is to determine if truly the Manny's enslaved people are buried there, if that really, if the enslaved burial ground is the nucleus of Evergreen Cemetery, because there are no headstones. Um, there has been some ground penetrating radar or sonar done there that it was early on. Um, that gave us some initial findings So we know where some graves are um, Most recently um, The Rutherford County Archaeological Society Volunteer members Have used uh, equipment That was loaned by UT New sophisticated equipment To scan the ground At Vine Street Cemetery To learn about it So there's, that's a growth plan was That we would be able to do more research At Evergreen Cemetery Um, to be more precise Um, so that is what we're asking from our community is for anyone that has records family legend they believe their ancestors may have been enslaved or buried there in the african-american section and don't have headstones or they know that their family is in section m and they're just interested in the project and want to participate in it Um, anything like that is helpful to us
0: audrey we had one more listener question for you and then i wanted to let you kind of Give you a few minutes to, to finish up and uh, say whatever you wanted to say this morning. We really appreciate you answering some of these questions and James Manning as well uh, to come on and talk to us about this. And I encourage anybody out there listening that that might have some information, whether it's something small. And I'm sure um, for every for every lead, there are two or three, four or five bits of information that you guys might already know or, or don't lead to anything. But I think you know the more the merrier. I think any of this That's information right. is is helpful. And you never know if you're that person that has an old photograph or an old piece of paper in the attic that maybe would lead you guys to the next piece. That leads you to the next piece, and you can start, you know, unveiling some of this information. Um, But, Audrey, somebody was asking about uh, after after the slaves were were off the farm, after they were – when they were no longer slaved and they they moved on, maybe – opened businesses or, or did some other things in the community is that a good starting point to say maybe in the early 1900s um you maybe you recognize a last name that's that's tied to a business and you can kind of go back from there uh has that been part of the process at all to maybe try to find out what happened after they were enslaved and then start and see if you can go back from there maybe 20 or 30 more years to when they were actually uh, on the plantation
2: um, so a large part of my research starts with the 1870 census um, just because that has given me um, a starting point to also know that those individuals living in Murfreesboro with the last name Manny have most likely been enslaved by the Manny family. Uh, but I then take that information and follow it forward as far as I can. Uh, and there would be more individuals who might be counted in the next census that also have the last name, Manny, um, that also fit the same criteria. Uh, so it's not entirely limited to just the 1870 census. Um, any of those census records uh, can help fit into the stories that I'm trying to tell. And so I have tracked families from the 1870s all the way to modern day Um, so it's definitely not limited to just the 1800s and any census records that I can find that's talking about these individuals uh, has been very helpful in uh, growing these stories
0: Well, we really appreciate your time this morning, and I wanted to give you a couple minutes to wrap up. Any final thoughts? And, uh, you know, again, if anybody out there thinks that they might have some information that's helpful or uh, has any questions for that matter, if you just want to learn more, reach out to these guys. Um, But, Audrey, I'll let you take the floor.
2: All right. Well, I just want to thank you so much for um, letting me join you this morning. And uh, the project that I started with my thesis, uh, I'm working to continue so that we can tell more stories. Um, Like I said before, for my thesis, I was only able to research two individuals, Wesley Manny and James Madison Manny. Uh, But there were 54 African-American individuals who were living in Murfreesboro in 1870 who had the last name Manny. Um, And so what I'm working on now alongside Oakland is to research each of those individuals and have information about all of them that can be... Uh, publicly shared and can help grow museum interpretation and so any information that people think they might have is going to be so helpful in just continuing those stories uh, because they do need to have a voice and these stories are important to continuing Education and just to make sure that everyone who lived and worked at Oakland uh, has their stories told. And so that's the project I'm working on now is to make sure that those 54 individuals that I started with all get their stories told.
0: And I know we uh, said we were out of questions for you. We had one more pop up, and I think this was a good one, so I did want to get to it quickly. Is it common practice for all the slaves to have the same last name as their owner and and if you know they were on that plantation and um were owned by the Manny family, does that mean that their last names would kind of just transfer over um and take their last name, and does that make that hard to track based on you know maybe them them their last name being changed when they were when they were bought? Is that accurate
2: um people don't always take the same last name as the slave owner uh, for example there was one individual that I was researching um, and his last name was Turner but he mentions that he had been enslaved by a member of the Manny family uh, so it's not always common for individuals to take that last name but um, there was only one Manny family living in Murfreesboro at the time and so uh, it's follows the logic that any African-Americans with that last name were enslaved by the Manny family. And so that has been how I have built that research. Um, But the research isn't limited to just individuals with the last name Manny.
0: Interesting. Well, Audrey, I would love to continue this conversation, and uh, maybe you know when you when you get some more information, or even just you know uh, would like to would like to come on and chat again. I think this is this is really neat, and I've learned a lot this morning, as some of listeners have. And uh, James, of course, we'd love to have you back. on maybe we can do something like this again in a month or so, and maybe you know see where we're at from today. Until then, see what new information we've brought on. And yeah, uh,
1: we would love to. That'd be very timely.
0: Yeah. Well, Audrey, I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for your time this morning, and uh, we'll chat with you real soon.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Audrey. All righty.
0: We are going to take a quick timeout. Our next guest, Mary Watkins, president of the African American Heritage Society of Rutherford County. She'll be joining us in just a few minutes. So keep it right here, folks. You're listening to News Radio WGNS. Right now, 840 and 65, out the door for you. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system, reducing microorganisms including bacteria, viruses, and allergens. Call Precision Air, 615-930-0088. That's 615-930-0088.
1: This is Peter Demas, and I invite your family to come and join our family back at Demas' Restaurants. One of the things that we have always done is we have been very careful
0: with the way that we sanitize our tables. We have mandatory hand-washing stations. Our employees are required to wear masks. We are just overall just being very careful with everything that we are doing and the way we handle food, the way we handle plates to ensure everybody's safety as they return and start enjoying the dining room experience again. Demis's Restaurants on Broad Street in Murfreesboro.
1: Hi, this is Dave Kibben of Music World and Drummer's Den and Animal City Pet Center. I'd like to give a thank you to the great people of Murfreesboro and Rutherford County. Our music store this year will celebrate its 15th anniversary, and our Animal City business celebrates 30 years. Then we're just very thankful to the great people of the area for all the support over the years. Come in anytime. Music World and Drummer's Den and Animal City Pet Center.
2: Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family-owned and operated. Operated since 1989.
0: This is Jeff Graham with Tire World. I want to invite you to visit our new off-road department at our Memorial Boulevard location featuring lift kits, leveling kits, light bars, as well as wheel and tire packages. Just come by and ask for Gator for all your off-road needs. That's Tire World on Memorial Boulevard. Alrighty, welcome back into the action line. Right now, 842, and if you're up and out right now, about 65. A little cloudy out there for us, but... uh Well, things cooling down as fall is right around the corner and with that uh, background music, kind of a Halloween theme Mm -hmm. there. And uh, we'll talk more about this near the top of the hour, but a couple of really cool events coming up at Oakland's Mansion. Flashlight Nights is uh, one of those, and uh, we'll talk about that a little closer to the top of the hour. But uh, right now we want to bring in our second guest of the evening, and that's Mary of the morning, rather. And uh, that's Mary Watkins, who's the president of the African-American Heritage Society of rutherford county joining us on the wgns phone line mary good morning Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you for joining us this morning and giving us a few minutes. And, uh, of course, Audrey Creel, our first guest this morning, had lots of great information for us. So she's talking about a, uh, a project she's working on to dig up some history, some history that you know happened just a short 160 years ago or so. And um, we're trying to learn more and kind of calling on our audience and our listeners to help us with that. And, uh, of course, James Manning involved as well, executive director of Oakland's Mansion. Mary, I wanted to ask you uh, your thoughts on what we've talked about this morning and pretty preserving and digging up some of this history some of this tough history but um, you know things that I think that you know folks want to know more about and uh, right now I think is is a great time as ever to to try to learn more about that and and learn about some of these folks who shared the city with us just you know 150 160 years ago that you know the names may have been lost in records and uh, you know and digging that up and and learning more about those people I think is is just a, a great thing and something that oakland's mansion is, is very passionate about and, and getting done um what are your thoughts on all that and uh if you could uh, tell us tell us a little bit about what you do with the african-american heritage society
3: Okay, uh, yes, and uh, first of all, just thank you for having me on this morning, and I think it's very important that we uh, do preserve our history, and that's one of the things that the African American uh, Heritage Society of Russell County is trying to do, because a lot of uh, our history have been lost, or uh, misplaced, or tucked away somewhere, and has been forgotten, and because of the fact that Manning and, of course, the part of the Murphy family is part of a big part part of Murfreesboro in itself. So I'm, I feel like it's very important that we do that, that we do uh, uncover that history and give the enslaved people to, uh, do, um, the, recogni- the recognition that they do, uh, you know, reserve, uh, preserve. Uh, excuse me, deserve, and, uh, and everything. So, uh, I got interested in the Manny family and the Murphy family back in the early, uh, 200, uh, 2000, when I was doing some research and I heard, uh, James talking about that marker out there and I was intrigued with that, with that, uh, uh, mark out there in the M section because the person I was looking for was buried in that area. And, uh and I found out you know they did not have a lot of heads that were not headstones and the M section was the only place that African Americans could be buried uh back in the day in that uh, cemetery so I wanted to know who those people were and of course we have uh, in partnership with Oakland Mansion, we want to put a mark out there recognizing those people uh, because uh, the enslaved people as well as African-American because there's a lot of them that are built out there after uh, slavery uh, and everything that do not have markers as well. So we just want to um, put a monument out there recognizing those people even though we do know do not know the individual names. and uh, And doing research, one thing we have found out Uh, you know, uh, Audrey, as well as James, was talking about the census records. Uh, Another way that you can find uh, people, too, uh, is by looking at their wills. So that's another thing that uh, I have looked at and we need to go in and look at, too, because usually the uh, slave owner... We put names, first names only, in wills when they were willing them to another family member or, or whatever. So that's something else that can be done. Is looked at wills uh, because looking at the census records, as she said, most of the time we were uh, the enslaved was listed only by age and gender, and uh, and everything. So I just feel like it's very important because those, the enslaved people that it managed had a lot to do with that plantation surviving.
0: We had a listener question pop up, and this is uh, talking a little bit about how you guys use the census and how uh, some of those past documents, you can dig them up. If you can find them, we'll have some of that information. And somebody was asking about medical records. Is there any... Type of medical record that would have been around maybe at that time that you guys have maybe looked at or maybe are looking for would that would that even hey. exist or would something like that they maybe yeah. they wouldn't even the document the only
3: way that you're gonna find it that would have to go back to like the uh, slave owner if he kept records if you can find or records from them otherwise it's gonna be hard for you to find them on the enslaved.
0: Okay, and same for maybe like a death certificate. That might not be. Um
3: uh, yeah, now on the death certificates, up until uh, I think uh, 1960, you can, but that comes later, uh, not from the uh, the beginning. I thought you meant during the time of when they were enslaved. Now. When they, uh, when people pass now, they do put that on there. And they also put the mother's maiden name on those death certificates, and that's another way you can uh, track and follow someone because they do put the mother's maiden name on the death certificates as well as their birth certificates and uh, and everything. But uh, those death certificates did not come in play until later on. Uh, when they start, you know, doing those. So uh, in the beginning, they were not there. Now, I think uh, around, if you can find them, uh, even before 1880 or so, it's hard to find African-American death certificates. Uh, When you get into the early 1900s and up to around about 1960, you can find those. On the computer, uh, um, and um, I use ancestry.com. I can find those there, and they do list the per- you know the cause of their death. Uh, and then after that, of course, you have the uh, Social Security index uh, index uh, index death. You know, and you can find that, but they don't give you all of that information. But the earlier part of the deaths, you cannot find that.
0: Our guest this morning, Mary Watkins, president of the African American Heritage Society of Rutherford County, and in studio, James Manning, executive director at Oakland's Mansion. would like to thank Audrey Creel one more time for joining us earlier this hour, too. I uh, wanted to get to both both you guys' thoughts on this, something that Audrey mentioned. A lot of times, the, sl- the enslaved would take on the last name of their owner. Not in all cases, but in some cases, I would mm-hmm. think that would make it harder to track. That would make it harder to find, because if somebody's last name changes... Um, it, it's even harder, I'm sure, to figure out what family and who they were with before they were enslaved. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Does that kind of throw a wrench in the works when you guys are doing this, this work and you you know see everybody yeah, at this plantation yes, was given sure the same last name? And
3: one thing is, too, uh, most of the time, 99.9% of the time when women get married, they automatically take their husband's name. So it it really makes you hard to track them. But then even with the man, like you said, sometimes, most of the time when a a slave owner buy um, an enslaved person from another uh, slave owner, their name changes. sometimes they did not change. So that right there makes it difficult, too, um, you know, uh, unless you can find, like, again, in the wheel or something like that, you can find that, and that will help you out. And and me looking at trying to find the man is in Murfreesboro, that name is disappearing. We do not have that name there, but I have contacted um, a relative of mine where... Um, was married into uh, the Manny family, and he lives in Nashville, so I'm going to set up and try to contact him, but that name is disappearing here in Rutherford County due to the fact women get married, take their husband's name, and also uh, the people that live there may have had uh, the name that they came in with from the other slave owner.
1: And
0: do we know what would make a difference, whether they would take their name or not? I mean, you mentioned most of the time they do, but not always. And, and James, I can let you elaborate on this. Do we know why that was the case, why not it wasn't just one or the other, but but some people kept their name and some people did not? Well,
3: Well, some people wanted to get away from that path, and they wanted to change their name. They did not want to be recognized as a part of that. So they wanted their own. And sometimes I have found in some cases uh, because they knew, what their parents' name was, they would go back to that name and get rid of that slave owner's name and go back to who their parents were.
1: James, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Um, For instance, one of the uh, enslaved descendants that Audrey is researching he uh, His name was James Manny, the same as his former owner, and then he chose to name his son Lewis, which was james Manny, his owner 's son 's name. Um, so I would think that most people would want not want to be associated with the name of their former slave owner, but he chose to be. Um, so, and then from my understanding, it is really up to the owner when they purchase someone. If they want to change their first name or their last name and not allow them to use their names, then that was often the case, too.
0: And you, and you mentioned a lot of times they would fall back and take their parents' name. Is, is there any case where maybe if somebody was raised on a plantation, they maybe had not did not know their parents' name? Maybe they... Um, you know, Their parents were gone at a young age, and they weren't able to fall back and get that name. In that case, would would they ever, you know, for lack of a better term, make up a new last name? Was that ever the case where they would say, I w- I'm not sure what my original last name was. I've always known my last name as the, the plantation owner's last name. But now that I'm leaving, I want to start and start something, start a new family, change my name. Was that ever the case?
1: I feel sure it was. I don't know of an example to give you, Mary, my... Um, ah.
3: Right. I don't know
0: an example of that
3: uh, happening, but it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't happen, uh, you know, uh, that it didn't happen, that people want to change that and pick up a new identity uh, you know, or whatever. So.
0: Which, again, that's something else that would make your, your task a little harder And tracing some of this is, um, you know, just the, the last uh, name change.
3: It, it really does, and uh one thing I would say, I had my DNA done, and I've been doing research on uh, my family history, and you would be surprised of how these names are coming up and some other new names that are coming up because of the fact being an enslaved, you know, they sold us off and went, you know, other... Uh, towns and as well as other states and stuff, you know, whatever, and uh, just got all kinds of different names and stuff are showing up because of that, and it is hard for African Americans to track their families because of the fact how they, were sl- uh, how they were sold from one plantation to the other.
0: Mary, I wanted to ask you, with just a couple minutes left here, what can our listeners do, what can folks out there do who... And we kind of talked about this earlier in the hour that maybe have information, maybe they have a question, maybe they have an idea, maybe they have something in their head that well my my grandma 's last name was this, but it was pronounced like this, and we 're thinking any, anything right, at all I think is, is
3: something that you do find where the, the spelling change and, uh, and everything like that mm-hmm. but I do know that uh, one family here and that is uh the black that 's uh, uh elmore i don 't know whether she 's listening or not, but she has a lot of information. Uh, on the Manning family because her her grandmother was a Manning, and uh, and everything. She's really the only family that I know uh, that is pretty much tied to the uh, Oakland uh, Oakland mansion to the Manning, Dr. Mannings, is because of the fact you know uh, her grandmother was a Manning.
1: And Elma McKnight is the only individual so far that has been able to provide us with photographs of uh, an enslaved individual, one of her ancestors, and stories as well. And she's been to Oakland's multiple times and shared her family history with us. And we are uh, would like to ask uh, descendants who have stories that would like to share for us to be able to record them, that we could uh, interview them and do an oral history. Um, and that's what we are... Uh, I think it's just a priceless gift from our community, from people like Mrs. McKnight, who continue uh, year after year when she's called to answer questions and provide information, that she's willing to come to Oakland's and do that for us time and time again. Um, Several people have – researchers have – found where the manny descendants uh, have moved out of state so most of the Mannies that are still living here now descendants of the enslaved probably don't have the last name um and even in just looking at at uh, records of property ownership there are no Mannies that are owning property currently in rutherford county cannon county wilson county that i found a few in davidson only
0: well as we just have a couple minutes here moth mary i wanted to uh kind of turn the floor over to you for any final thoughts this morning we got about two minutes uh, and I wanted to thank you again for coming on I really appreciate your time Audrey as well and James I, I appreciate you guys coming on this morning and uh, I think you know a couple weeks down the road a couple months down the road when we get some new information and um, you know maybe maybe let our listeners hear this and, and maybe they can turn some new information over to you we'd love to have you guys back on
1: between now and then Mary would you tell us please our listeners how they could learn more about the African-American Heritage Society of Rutherford County
0: uh, yes,
3: they can uh, go on our uh, Facebook and they can also contact me. and that's Mary R. Watkins at uh, Patterson MR uh, Belfast.net and uh, can, uh, you know, do that And kind of, that information is on our Facebook. Uh, we would love to have people to join us because we have to begin to be sort of overwhelming because there's a lot of information that needs to be recorded and that is what we are trying to do. And I would just like to thank Audrey and as, as well as James for uh, getting involved and in trying to uh, find the information on the Manning family because I think that's very important. And I would just advise uh, every Everybody, regardless of uh, uh, whether uh, what race you are, whatever it is, good for you to document your family history because you just never know. And it's it's good for the the individuals to come after us to know from which they came, and uh, and also I think it's very important that we do preserve our history, our family history, and especially someone like the Maddie family, you know, because of the fact that. Uh, uh, the information, the part that they played here in Russell County along with the Murphy family. So I feel like those enslaved inf- uh, people really need to be uh, recognized and they deserve uh, to be recognized. So what they've done for that plantation as well as for this uh, community, a lot of the uh, enslaved people, you know, they sort of live uh, within that area, and I think James may have touched on that once that uh, uh, the slavery, uh, the eman- uh, emancipation was signed and they were free. They still live within that area. Close to the man, as I found that out researching that name, a lot of them stay within that area there for a period of time. And again, I appreciate uh, Audrey doing that because what she does also helps us as well. And, uh,
0: you know. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, Mary, thank you so much. And James Manning, thank you guys. We appreciate you coming on this morning, and I hope to have you on again soon. Uh, we're just about out of time, but we'd like to tell everybody, if you head over to oaklandsmansion.org, lots of information on there, some cool events coming up, flashlight nights included. Oktoberfest, of course, sold out for tomorrow, but uh, we are just about out of time today, so we have to wrap it up there. Thank you guys very, very much. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. right. We'll be right back, guys, with The Truman Show.